It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Greg Peterson experience. He was like a god walking amongst mere mortals. He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr. On VSIN, the sports betting network. You've got a tremendous hour coming up for you as in the front half and the back half of the hour. We're taking a look at the college basketball board for this Thursday and along the way. We're hitting some tennis, we're hitting some football, we're hitting some NBA, and so much more. Scott Reichel, he does such good work over at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, is going to be joining me. He's our five-tool guy that's able to give us plays on a little bit of everything, so you're going to be set for the weekend. You're going to be set for a tremendous Thursday. And I'm going to get you guys a beer review in about 45 minutes as well. We've got to get some big game recommendations for those as well. So I'm going to get you guys one of those. And we're trying to help out you New Year's resolutioners because I can tell you right now, I'm someone that I used to weigh 215 pounds. You might not know this, but I'm always looking for ways to be able to help out those that are trying to cut down on a few pounds for a New Year's resolution. So we're keeping all of our reviews this week to 100 calories or less. So we'll be serving that up in about 45 minutes. And we're serving up right now is some college basketball. We've got to step into the laboratory and see what we're drumming up tonight. Are you looking for the best lines on the market? I don't want to get paper loops. Then sit back and let Greg cook up the best insight in college basketball. And how about if we started off in the Summit League where we do have one of the highest totals on the board and yet I don't think it's high enough. You've got Eastern Washington going up against Northern Colorado, 813-814 on the board with Eastern Washington, a 7.5 point favorite. Open up at a 7 total. It has actually come down. It opened up at a 164.5 and now it's a 162. I set my total at a 168.5. I'm going to be taking a look at the over and Typically, I find myself a little bit low on these sorts of numbers, but that said, with this Northern Colorado team, 
it is all gas but no brakes for this team. Northern Colorado, and I'm not even kidding on the name here, they have a guy by the name of St. Thomas. He comes in from Loyal Chicago, and he's been Mr. Do-It-All. He has been St. Leading the team in every single category. 20 points, 10 boards, 3.5 assists, right around 2 steals per contest. I hear he sells hot dogs at the hot dog stand as well. He actually leads the team in blocks as well. So all five major categories, he leads the team with that regard. He's also leading the way for a team that has been really putting up the points and really giving them up. For this Northern Colorado team, they have been able to score at least 77 points in each out of their last nine games. And if you want to go a little bit further, this is a bunch that, with regards to their scoring, they've gotten to at least 68 points in all but one of their games thus far this season. Meanwhile, it's a team that, well, the defense, it has not necessarily been so terrific. Against D1 competition, they have held one team to below 70 points all season long. And, well, they're giving up bushels upon bushels of points right now. It's, they have given up at least 79 points in nine of their games thus far this season. In terms of points a lot on a per-possession basis, Northern Colorado is currently outside the top 300. Eastern Washington is outside the top 260 as well. Both of these teams outside the top 250 with regards to opponents' three-point shooting percentage. And guess what both of these teams do? Oh, yeah, they bomb it from three-point range. Eastern Washington, top 30 team in the country with regards to three-point shooting percentage. All sorts of versatility here. You've got Dane Erickstrup. He comes in from the Division II level. He's six foot eleven and he pounds threes at about a 40% clip. Jake Kaiman comes in from UCLA. He shoots threes at a 40% clip. You've got all sorts of guys with size that are able to shoot it from three-point range. Meanwhile, for Northern Colorado, you're now starting to get a little bit more on Jajur Reeves. He's been able to shoot about 36% from the outside, 14 points. It's a game that is not going to be involving a lot of turnovers as well. Neither of these teams really force the issue. It's a Northern Colorado team that they're generating about seven steals per contest. They're on the lower end of all of college basketball in terms of turnover sports on a per-possession basis as you do have a pair of teams that are playing relatively up-tempo as well. Meanwhile, for Eastern Washington, they are outside the top 225 in terms of turnover sports on a per-possession basis as well. This is an Eastern Washington team that, as well, they are certainly giving up quite a few second chances as well. This is a bunch that they don't necessarily do the world's greatest job on the glass, so I do think that that is going to be voting very well for this Northern Colorado team as it is a spot where... I personally am going to be taking a look at the over, but on top of that, I do think that with Eastern Washington, they're starting to get just a tad overvalued. And this has been a team that has really run through this conference over the last few seasons. You're able to go back to when they had Shante Leggins in the fold. He's now the coach over there at Portland. I mean, this team over the last four or five years, they have been legitimately just a tremendous team with that regard. But now with Northern Colorado, having Riley Abercrombie, Yes, his name is actually Abercrombie, no relation to Fitch. He's been able to shoot about 37% from three-point range. Guy that's in six foot nine. He's got the size wheel match up with his Eastern Washington team. Got someone like a Langston Reynolds, who's been able to bomb it at north of four, over 40% from three-point range. And this is a team that in Northern Colorado has been just a little bit better on the glass as well. So I'm going to be taking a look at the over. I think that you get points of plenty. Neither of these teams is playing any sort of defense whatsoever. It is all gas, but no breaks. But I do think that now that you're getting this number at a seven or greater, I'm going to be taking a look at the points. And by the way, in case you're wondering how fast these teams are playing, Eastern Washington, relatively mid-tempo team. It's Northern Colorado. That's really looking to push the tempo in this one. Northern Colorado, I have your 362 Division One teams. Currently, they're clocking in right in the neighborhood about 47th with regards to possessions per game. And a team that is playing quite up-tempo as well, that would be both the Utah Tech and Abilene Christian. This is a spot where I think it's very interesting. You've got Abilene Christian 
currently as a six and a half point favorite. Total on this game is 148 and a half with an Abilene Christian team that is 35th in the country in terms of total possessions per game. If you're looking at the rotation number on this one, 797, 798, and with Abilene Christian, I'm seeing a few sixes out there as well. This actually opened up at a five and a half, but that said, even at a six, six and a half, won't delay the number with Abilene Christian. This Utah Tech team is just a really bad matchup because for Utah Tech, the one thing that this team doesn't do, take care of the ball. 15 and a half turnovers per game. There's a turnovers on a per possession basis. They're a bottom 30 team in all of college basketball. And guess what Abilene Christian does? Oh yeah, they force turnovers. They're in the top 35 nationally. There's a turnovers force on a per possession basis. Now, where that leaves Abilene Christian very vulnerable is down low. Abilene Christian, 343rd in all of college basketball with regards to rebound rate. Really outside of Ali Abdudiba along with Arian Simmons, you don't have anyone else on the roster that gives you north of four rebounds per game, but Utah Tech, outside of Trent Christensen, who's able to give you about seven rebounds per game, they don't have a lot as well. And with this Utah Tech team, they're about 278th with regards to rebound rate. This is just not going to jive for them as we are in the Greg Peterson Laboratory right here on the Greg Peterson Experience on Visa, the Sports Banking Network. And for Utah Tech, they shoot it okay from three-point range. They don't necessarily shoot it amazing from three-point range. And Abilene Christian has been better at guarding the arc this year than they have been in past years. Typically, this is a team that they just get absolutely tattooed from three-point range. Now they're inside the top 150 with regards to opponent's three-point shooting percentage. And you got a Utah Tech team that they just feel like they're out of sorts with regards to their backcourt. Meanwhile, it's an Abilene Christian team that it truly is when you have this sort of a defense when you've got nine guys playing in tandem, you're looking to generate a bunch of turnovers where the hole is greater than the sum of its parts. And for Utah Tech, they've been dealing with a little bit of an injury to David Elliott. He was really one of the team's top scorers begin the season. He has now come back, but he has not looked like the same David Elliott that we knew and loved from the beginning part of the season. I mean, he started out the year very hot. First few games of the season prior to him going down, he was registering for the team. Right around 58% three-point shooting, which you knew that that was going to be drying up, but he was averaging 14.5 points per game prior to him going down with injury. He then was able to return in late December, and now here in January, he's been able to shoot about 35% for three, averaging about 6.5 points per contest in the last six games that he's been able to play, though he's been in and out of the fold, and he might be out once again as he's once again dealing with a little bit of an injury, so that's a little bit of an issue, and then You've got Eric Demings, who's able to give you about three assists per contest, but nobody that's really able to take you over the top. It's an Abilene Christian team that is just so darn hard to prepare for with so many guys that swarm to the ball for you. A Utah Tech team that's unable to do a good job on the glass. A Utah Tech team that, I mean, they're okay at being able to guard the arc. They're not great. They're not terrible. And an Abilene Christian team that's a little bit improved from distance, having some like 100 Jack Madden shoot north of 40% from three-point range. Bad matchup, in my opinion. This is an Abilene Christian team that's absolutely running it and gunning it. Utah Tech, they're having a very difficult time with regards to their defense as well. So I do think that you're going to have a plentiful amount of points in this spot. I did sell my total 154 and a half. So with Abilene Christian, willing to lay up to eight with them. And with a Utah Tech team that has now given up at least 75 points in three of their last four games. And as a matter of fact, for this Utah Tech team, in all but two out of their last nine games, they've given up at least 75 I think you get a high-scoring affair. I'm going to be looking at the over, and I'm going to be willing to lay it with Abilene Christian. How about if we serve up the early game on the card? Unfortunately, we don't have any matinee games for college basketball, which I always think is a crying shame. Days are just aren't the same, unless if you've got, like, that one-day game in, like, Major League Baseball when it's summertime, when it's college basketball, you get your random, like, 9 a.m. IEPUI game, which we always have to thank IEPUI for their service with those. But that said, this is going to be a 2 o'clock p.m. Pacific time tip, 747, 748. 
Campbell is going to be playing us at Elon. Elon finds himself as an underdog of three points. So in this game, anywhere between 142 and 142 and a half. This is a spot where I'm going to be taking a look at the under. Got a Campbell team that really is looking to slow things down. Out of 362 Division I teams, Campbell 340th in the country with regards to total possessions per game. And it's an Elon team that is starting to dry up with regards to their three-point shooting percentage. This was one of your best three-point shooting teams in all of college basketball in the non-conference portion of the schedule. And you still do have quite a few guys that have been able to chip in their 10-plus points per contest. You've got four of them in Nick Dorn, along with Rob Higgins, Max McKinnon, TK Simpkins, and their still has a collective shooting about 36.5% from three-point range. But ever since the start of conference play, the team is now shooting more than the neighbor, about 35.5% from three-point range out of conference. This was north of 37% from distance. And they go up against a Campbell team that has, in my opinion, the best player out there on the floor, Anthony Doloroso. He's been able to give you about 16 points, seven boards. He's been able to do a nice job there. But Laronitis Vest. Darius, hopefully I said that correctly. He's now been able to give you about 40% three-point shooting, 10.5 points per game for a Campbell team that does a relatively good job of being able to guard the arc. Campbell in the top 125 with regards to opponent's three-point shooting percentage, and this is an Elon team that's just getting absolutely cooked on defense. 345th in the country in terms of points a lot on a per-possession basis. I think the Campbell is going to execute their game plan, get this game slowed down. They're going to find open looks and get the job done. I'm willing to lay up to 3.5 with Campbell. And with my total set it out of 140, so looking at the under and coming up next, we're going to preview the NFC and AFC title games with Scott Rachel of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network on the Great Pearson Experience on Visa, the Sports Betting Network. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe 
Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hoops Peterson himself on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. If you have yet to check out the new VSN.com, we've got so many great stories on there in terms of what's happening with the NBA and the Milwaukee Bucks hiring on Doc Rivers, getting you set for what is happening in the NFL playoffs, and plus you've got the enhanced navigation of the new VSN.com. It's much better looking on your mobile device as well. Plus, you're able to find our tools much easier as well, like my college basketball handicapped lines. That's over at vsin.com, V-S-I-N.com. We're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience on Visa, the Sports Betting Network. Always great to be joined by this man, Scott Reichel. He does tremendous work over at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. And Scott, you do a great job handicapping so many different things. And it's always appreciated, my friend. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Let's lead off with what we're going to be getting in the NFC and the AFC title game. And then from there, I know you've got some plays on a little bit of everything. So we're in for some fun. And first things first, we've got the early game in the NFL on Sunday. That would be Chiefs and the Ravens. Ravens right now in most books out here in Las Vegas are a four-point favorite. East Coast books hanging a lot of three and a halfs right now. Total on this game is 44 and a half. How do you evaluate this game with a Baltimore Ravens team that I think clearly has the better roster, but a Chiefs team that they just always seem to come up big in the biggest spots. Yeah, for me, I'm going to lean to Baltimore in the spot. I uh, give props to Kansas City for getting the job done in that game against Buffalo. I was not as high as on Buffalo as most people were, but I do think it's a good win nonetheless. Point is the Chiefs, though, the offense kind of slowed down, especially in the fourth quarter, because they don't exactly have any weapons. We saw Kelsey had the two touchdowns, but he really didn't do much in the final quarter and change. Rice got a bit banged up uh, late in that game. Uh, scaling at two catches, that was basically it. And they tried to piece it together. And McCall Hardman got some touches, probably more than he should have. But I'm going to lean to the Ravens in the spot. Simply put, I think they're the better team. I do think that defensively, they are the best unit in the entire league. They can get after the quarterback. And I do think as a result, Mahomes might be scrambling for his life. But I really don't like the weapons associated uh, with the Chiefs receiving core. I also have to acknowledge that the Bills did run the ball well against the Chiefs in that game. And I do think that you're looking at the Ravens rushing attack, having success, either Lamar going for 100, maybe Gus Edwards in the trenches or Hill to the outside. But simply put, I think Baltimore's the better team in this game. I know it's difficult to fade Mahomes in the playoffs, but I do think that it's worth it at this current number. Three and a half just feels too short based on where these teams, in my opinion, are power ranked. Give me Baltimore at home minus three and a half. And it seems like you think that the Chiefs are going to be going to the air a lot, and that's reflected a lot in your player props, especially with you not thinking that Miko Hardman, after he fumbled out of the end zone last week, is going to be getting a lot of touches in this game. 
Yeah, so I'm going to go with Hardman under 12 and a half rushing and receiving yards at minus 120. Simply put, he's just not a very good football player. And to go through the numbers this season, they reflect that. Uh, he's had less than 13 yards in 11 of 13 games this season. Here's, he's actually recorded less than two yards in each of the last two games. And he had two fumbles last week on one catch. So you can do the math there if you want to. Point is, Hardman has been a complete liability since the Chiefs brought him back. He was bad at the Jets as well. And I do expect after he put the ball on the ground twice last week, they might be going elsewhere uh, to the actual, I'd say, play calling. But simply put, Hardman, I get 12 and a half's a bit low. Maybe he breaks an end around or something, but I'll take my chances. He's a gadget player who's not very good or reliable. Give me the under 12 and a half. He's a gadget for fumbling. That's what we found out last week. So I do not blame you there. And then with regards to the Kansas City Chiefs and their game plan, it seems as though you're thinking that they're probably going to go a little bit more towards the air because I know that you're looking at Roquan Smith also under his tackle prop. Yeah, so this is actually just based on the current form of Smith. He's been very good along with the defense, but the tackles really haven't been there. He's had a less than six tackles in each of the last seven games. Plus Baltimore, I do think he'll be able to run the ball in this game. And Baltimore is really good at draining clock as the Ravens rank fifth in time possession. So once again, Smith might not be on the field as much if Lamar and company can move the chains, drain a lot of clock and limit the overall snaps for Kansas City's offense. But simply put, he's gone under this number in seven straight games and it's minus 120. So I'll just take it again. One's too cheap. Give me the under. And then there is one player for the Ravens that you think is going to be able to have a relatively big gainer for them. And that would be Mr. Bateman. So take me through this prop. Yeah, so Bateman's gone over this number uh, for the longest reception, uh, over 13.5 at minus 120. He's gone over in 5 of 6. He's gone over in 9 of 12. And he's he's played a decent amount of snaps for this receiving core as he played 65% of the snaps last week, which was the second most on the team behind Zay Flowers. But simply put, the usage is there. Now, I'm not saying Bateman's a great receiver, but he tends to run most of his routes downfield, and it does seem like he gets at least one catch over this number per game. But if you go over this in five of six and it's minus 120, I do think the play action game can open up some things for him. And I do think that once again, this number is a bit low. Give me Bateman over 14, uh, over 13 and a half yards for the longest reception in this game at minus 120. I like that look as joining me on the show. We do have Scott Reichel. who does tremendous work over at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Joining me on the Greg Peterson Experience on Visa, the Sports Betting Network. And then how about if we take a look at the late game for Sunday? That would be the Lions on the road facing off against the 49ers. This number is stuck at seven. Total on this game is 51. How do you evaluate this one with a Lions team that has been able to put together a really nice run? And it's a 49ers team that I think they're clearly the better team, but they don't look to be in the world's greatest of form right now. Yeah, I do think it's pretty telling, though, that the Niners are laying seven despite not playing well at all. They probably should have lost to Green Bay while the Lions have played well. I am a bit concerned about the Lions only playing two outdoor games since the end of October. Uh, they really have played a lot of games in domes, and I do wonder if that's going to be an issue. The weather in California should be fine, but they were able to, of course, win two home games uh, to make it up to this point. I think they might struggle on the road. I do like some props in this game, though. I like Jared Goff interception at minus 140. He struggled to actually keep control of the football against the Niners in the past. He's had at least one reception in each of the last four games against the Niners. Uh, the Lions are also banged up on the offensive line as both Jackson and Ragno are injured. So I do think, once again, there might be some pass protection issues for Goff in this game. 
and he's a lawn chair. So I do think it's going to be an issue of him actually staying upright. And I do think, once again, he can't force some bad decisions, especially since the Niners force a bunch of interceptions per game as the Niners are averaging 1.3 picks per game, which is the uh, tied for most in the league. But we saw them intercept the love twice last week. I think Goff's going to struggle to actually keep the ball uh, with, I'd say, a solid amount of ball security. So once again, I think Goff can throw a pick in this game. I'm also looking at Brock Purdy passing yards. I like the over on his line. The line secondary has been a bit of an issue recently, and I might be underselling it because the Lions have allowed at least 345 passing yards in each of the last five games. So I do know that Debo might not play. That's an issue, but still, the point is the Lions secondary has been an issue, and they give up a bunch of passing yards. Give me Purdy over his passing total in this game. Yep, with Brock Purdy, I do think that there's a good chance that he's going to put the ball in the air just a little bit more in this game with the way that the Lions defensively, well, they have certainly been giving it up to say the least. And before we do hit a few other sports that we're going to be taking a look at more in terms of the Thursday plays, do want to get your thoughts on the big news that we did see from the NFL on Wednesday with Jim Harbaugh becoming the coach of the Chargers. I know that you and I both did not have the highest opinion of Brandon Saley. I'm I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not sure who thought Brandon Saley was a good coach, but that said, what did you think of the hire? Because I do think that this is going to be impactful for a guy in Justin Herbert who's looking to ascend as one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL, and this feels like a really good fit. Yeah, the AFC West might actually be fun and competitive this year because the Chiefs have been running away with it for about a decade, but maybe the Chargers can do something about it. We'll see. Good for Harbaugh. Won a title in college. Got tired of the NCAA, not to mention some potential sanctions uh, coming up for Michigan. Either way, point is he decided it was time to move on, and he has Justin Herbert. So not a bad upgrade there for him. I feel good for Herbert. I mean, when you have to spend your last couple years with Cristobal, Anthony Lynn, and uh, Brandon Staley and suddenly get Harbaugh, you must feel pretty good about yourself. But I do think looking at the spot for the Chargers, the issue with this team has been coaching for several years, and Harbaugh should help rectify that. I really like the move for them. I'm not sure what the contract's going to be. We'll see how long Harbaugh sticks around or what control he actually has or if Spanos might you know micromanage but still good move for the Chargers happy for Herbert and hopefully they turn out to be a playoff team next year yep absolutely I do think that this is going to be very impactful and I do think that that's going to be great for them and then how about if we take a look at a little NBA that we're going to be getting for Thursdays it's a relatively small card we always find this on these NBA Thursdays but I do think that it's going to be a relatively solid one and I know that a game that is going to be very hot and heavy is this Philadelphia 76ers versus Indiana Pacers game with Pacers. They find themselves as 5.0 underdogs, a team with a lot of moving parts. Total is 136. And do you want to get your thoughts here before we talk a little NBA as well on the flip side? Yeah, so I'm going to lean to the Sixers here in minus four and a half. The line just feels a little bit low. I don't mind it at five if that's the best line you can get. Sixers have quietly been in great form. They've won six straight. Pacers have really struggled with Halliburton's injury, and they've lost five of the last six. Pacers also are allowing the most points in the paint per game in the entire league. Having a guy that drops 70 in his last game, showing up uh, when you're allowing that many points in the paint, probably not a good combo for Indiana. And Halliburton, of course, is still out. I do think at the end of the day, Embiid will get whatever he wants. I saw that Maxie also had a 50-piece against this team earlier this season. I don't. I just don't trust Indiana's defense enough. Give me the team in great four, minus four and a half. Yep, I do think that this team is in relatively solid form. And for the Pacers, a little bit banged up, trying to be able to integrate Pascal Siakam into the fold as well. I do think that that is going to be a little bit of an issue for them here in the next few days until they're able to fire on all cylinders. But a man that is always 
firing all cylinders. That would be our good friend Scott Reichel. He does great work over at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Coming up next, we're talking some NBA, NHL, and tennis with him right here on Visa, the Sports Betting Network. Experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. Put the VSN experts to work for you and start betting smarter with a VSN Pro subscription. Sign up on a VSN Pro annual subscription and you get a discounted price by being a listener of the Greg Peterson experience by utilizing the promo code of Greg, G R E G. And we'll get a full year of VSIM for just $199. That gives you access to everything on our new website, which includes our daily best bets with a leaderboard to see who's all got the hot hand. And you also get betting splits to show you where the money and the bets are moving on every single game, betting systems, premium analysis, plus our upcoming Super Bowl betting guide that's going to have best bets on player props. We're going to get you sides and totals from darn near everyone here at the network as well. And remember, utilize that promo code GREG, G-R-E-G, for your first year of VSIM Pro Access for a discount rate of $199 over at VSIN.com slash subscribe. We're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience on Visa, the Sports Betting Network. Always great to be joined by Scott Reichel. Does great work over at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. And Scott, we were talking a little NBA on the flip side. And how about if we get your thoughts on this game? I know you've got to play with regards to Knicks versus Nuggets. And right now the Nuggets, they find themselves as one after two point favorites. Totals between 123.5 and 124.5. How do you evaluate this game involving a Nuggets team that we've seen them knock off some of the biggest teams in the East and certainly they've been looking solid against the Knicks team that has been able to have a little bit of a nice rise out there in the East this year? Yeah, so I think the spread is actually warranted in this game, so I'm not going to stay. I'm not actually going to focus on it. I'm going to look at the total. I'm going to go with the under in this game at either 224.5, 223.5, but simply put, both teams defensively have been very good recently, and I feel like the oddsmakers haven't fully adjusted to that. The Knicks have allowed less than 104 points in five of their last six, while the Nuggets have allowed less than 110 in four of their last five. Plus, both teams really don't play with any pace. In the last 10 games, the Nuggets ranked 25th in pace. The Knicks ranked 23rd. We know that Jokic and Murray love to operate in the half court with the pick-and-roll offense, and you're looking at the Knicks kind of relying on a lot of Brunson creativity and Randall isolation. But simply put, both teams with really no pace and really solid defenses, at least based on current form. The total feels too high to me. Also, eight of the last 10 meetings have gone under this number. But simply put, I think this game lands somewhere in the 210s. This line feels too high. I'll go with the under. I do like that look. And with the Denver Nuggets, they've been one of the best defensive teams in all basketball this year. And the Nuggets, they always do a solid job of being able to lock you down as well as we've got ourselves some relatively solid NBA action that's going to be going down. But we have to focus on what we're going to be getting out there in the Australian Open. We've got two really good matches on the men's side. And I know you were talking about this with me off air. This is really, in my opinion, going to be the match that probably decides who's going to win the Australian Open on the men's side. It's Novak Djokovic against Yannick Sinner as Carlos Alcaraz. He got knocked out a little bit earlier. So these are really the big two that are remaining in the tournament. Djokovic finds himself at minus 205 on the money line. Sinner plus 170 currently at DraftKings. How do you evaluate this match? And would you be looking at a money line or perhaps something else to be able to bet this one? Yeah, so a lot of people are going to be tempted by Sinner in this one. I understand why, because he has not dropped a set yet, but I am not going to pay against Djokovic in Australia. So as a result, I am going to find a way to reduce the juice here. Djokovic is around minus $2, but I am going to cut into that. Give me Djokovic to win and each player to win a set, and you can get that combo 
at plus 127. Djokovic is 4-2 and two lifetime against Sinner, uh, but you are looking at Djokovic's path in this tournament. He's been a bit vulnerable. He has dropped a set in three of the five matches, including the last match against Taylor Fritz. But I just simply put, think that Djokovic in Australia in three out of five sets is almost impossible to beat. And I do think that once again, Sinner has not dropped a set yet, but he has been a bit vulnerable. And he sh probably should have lost a set to Kashanov and to Rublev. They just could not convert break points. But Sinner, I think, has been more vulnerable than the actual results suggest. And because of that, I do think that Djokovic should get the job done in probably four or five sets. It might go five, but once again, give me Djokovic to win and each player to win a set at plus 127. And then when it comes to the women's side of things, I do think that we've got two really interesting matches as we've had a lot of, shall we say, chaos on the women's side of things, but we did get two of the best in the world that are going to be doing battle in their semifinal match. That'd be Coco Goff going up against Arena Sabalenka. Sabalenka, favorite for the tournament and favorite in this match of a minus 225, finding Coco Goff right now. DraftKings at a plus 180. How do you evaluate this matchup? And you think Coco Goff can be able to pull it off and perhaps win back-to-back -back majors? Yeah, you can argue that the uh, men's and women's Australian Opens are kind of similar in the sense that there's one semifinal match that you think whoever wins this is probably going to be the winner of the entire tournament. And this is probably the same case here. I am going to go with Sabalenka, though, to win in straight sets at about plus 115. I know Goff's been in good form. She's had a pretty easy path. Really looked awful in the last match. I ended up winning anyway. That was one of the worst quarterfinal matches I've ever seen. Just full disclosure. But she got the job done as she won in three. Sabalenka, though, has just been completely dominant, and I really have a hard time going against her in this one. Sabalenka's not dropped a set yet, and to go even further, she actually has not dropped more than three games in a single set so far in Australia. She's been incredible, I'll just simply put. So I think that Sabalenka's in better form. I think that she, once again, is the better player. I know Goff did beat her in the U.S. Open in three sets last year, but simply put, give me the player that thinks it in the best form in this event, winning straight sets at plus 115. Yeah, I mean, it has been a really dominant display by her, and right now she's looking like the best player in the world on that side of things, but we shall see if that carries over to the semifinal. And do you want to get your thoughts on this semifinal matchup as well? It's Danyana Yastrzemska. Hopefully I got that correctly. Going up against Kenwen Zhang. Zhang finds herself as a minus 210 favorite. Any sort of a play here with regards to money line, maybe games, anything like that? Yeah, so I do think that Chang's a very solid player, but I do think that there is some value on Yastrzemska on the money line at plus 175, give or take. Uh, you're looking at Yastrzemska trying to become the second qualifier to ever win a Grand Slam. We saw Rodakana do it a couple years ago, but she's been in great form. She's gone through qualifying and the main draw, and she's only dropped uh, one set in the main draw. So she's been in solid form. Shang's very good, don't get me wrong, but she did go to three sets in the last match against... Uh, in the last match, and actually two of the last three. So I do think that, once again, you're looking at what should be a pretty even match, in my opinion, based on the path of both players and the current form. But based on that, I think it's close to a coin flip. You're going to give me plus 175. I understand why Shang's favored because of ranking, but simply put, based on current form, I think this price should be closer to minus 130, in my opinion. So because of that, I think there's value on the dog here. I like that look, and I do think that we're in for a really good semifinal down under. As joining me on the show, we do have Scott Rachel. Does great work over at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Joining me on the Great Peterson Experience on Visa, the Sports Betting Network. And let's dive in on a little bit of hockey that we've got for this Thursday as well. And this is a money line that is massive. The Edmonton Oilers are minus 535 money line favorites against Chicago. Most books have yet to hang this up. Total on this game is six and a half. 
Is there any argument to be made here for Chicago, or is this just a way to reduce the juice on Edmonton? Yeah, so I'm going to find a way to reduce the juice heavily. No offense to Chicago, but I'm not going to fade the team that's won 14 straight games. I did see a minus 600 going around, but I am mm. going to take a, a game parlay or a game prop, however you want to phrase it. I like Edmonton to win the first period and to win in regulation, and that pays out a plus 130. So $6 favorites at plus 130? Yeah, sign me up. Uh, they've won 14 straight. Chicago's been terrible on the road. The Blackhawks have lost 21 over their first 25 road games. And on top of that, the Blackhawks are on the second out of a back-to-back. So simply put, give me Edmonton in great form to win the first period and to win the entire game in regulation. $6 favorites at plus 130. That's a pretty solid deal to me. Yeah, I really like the way that you were able to drive that juice down because I was just looking at that number. It's like, you've got to be kidding me, right? But I mean, to be able to get plus money, granted, Winning a specific period, that's a little bit easier said than done in the NHL. But being able to get plus money on that, I really like what you were able to do there. So bravo to that and bravo to the fact that we are going to be seeing a great matchup out there in Minnesota. Right now, the Wild find themselves as between about minus 115 to minus 120 favorites with a total of six. How do you evaluate this Wild versus Nashville Predators matchup? Yeah, so I'm going to lean to the Wild in this one on the money line at about minus 120. Uh, simply put, I do think that both teams are pretty similar, where they're probably on the outskirts of making the playoffs, but they're going to see what happens. But Minnesota got Kaprizov back recently, and they've been in good form. They've won three straight. Predators have lost three of their last four. The game, I think, is going to be competitive, but once again, the Wilds record is also because of them really struggling without Kaprizov in the lineup. Now that he's back, I do think there is some value on the Wild at home. Predators have really not been in great form, and I do think that unless Soros bails them out, there's a lot of flaws with this current roster. So I'm going to lean to Minnesota at home at minus 120. Yep, I like that lean, and we've got about a minute remaining, so we'll throw at you the Flyers and the Detroit Red Wings. Red Wings, modest about minus 115 to minus 130, favorite at home with a total of 6.5. Any sort of a play here for you on this one? Yeah, I think I'm going to lean to the Flyers in this one. They've been the better team so far this season. Detroit's been decent recently, uh, but I do think that you're looking at uh, what Tortorella's done with that roster. He's done a great job of making them a playoff team at this point in time. Uh, you're looking at probably Urson being in net, especially after the Carter Hart fiasco. So I think you're going to end up seeing Urson look sharp in net. Uh, but once again, I do think that you're looking at what should be an entertaining game. Plus money, though, for a team that is currently 14 and 10 on the road. I like the value there. Should be a close game. Give me the plus money. Yep, we should get a little bit of value there. And we always get great bang for our buck whenever you're aboard, Scott. You cover a little bit of everything. You always do so all so well. You do great work over at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, and I always appreciate you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Always great to have Scott aboard. And coming up in the final segment of the Greg Peterson Experience, I get you guys a beer review and my DK Network write a pick for this College Basketball Thursday right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr. And I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back. And joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. 
Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hoops Peterson himself on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL playoffs, and they are bringing you an offer to make the playoffs all the more electrifying and fun. As new customers can place a bet of five dollars on any game and get two hundred dollars instantly in bonus bets. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Utilize the promo code VSIN when you do. That is only at DraftKings Sportsbook with that code of VSIN because over at DraftKings Sportsbook, the crown is yours. We're back here for the final segment of the night right here on the Greg Peterson Experience on VSIN, the Sports Bang Network. Coming up after myself is going to be a replay of this fine show. Meanwhile, you are listening to the replay of the Greg Peterson Experience at 4 o'clock a.m. Pacific, 7 o'clock a.m. Eastern. It is Follow the Money with Mitch Moss, Paul Howard. They're going to do a tremendous job of Coming up, what we all saw in the NFL in terms of hirings and firings on Wednesday. You saw the Green Bay Packers move on from Joe Barry over the last 48 hours. So, yay there for myself being a Green Bay Packers fan. John Harbaugh, or Jim Harbaugh, I should say, getting hired. And John Harbaugh being in the playoffs. So, not a lot to talk about there. Sure that they're going to be taking a look at some basketball, college, and pro. And get you guys all set. They're two of the best in the business. And it is my job to get you to follow the money safely. Hopefully with a little bit more money in pocket and Along the way, we've got to celebrate the winners. 
They're trying to help out those of you that are perhaps New Year's resolutioning by giving you guys some low-calorie beer options this week. So let's go into one that is a little bit of a spinoff of a beer that we know and love here on Hoops on Hops. Now, I'm sure most of you guys have heard of Michelob Ultra, and there are a few spinoffs of Michelob Ultra trying to jazz it up. This one is their Michelob Ultra Pure Gold. This is actually a little bit of an even lower calorie option. This, unlike Michelob Ultra, is actually 85 calories. The original Michelob Ultra, it is more 95 calories. This is a organic beer, so I know that that appeals to a little bit of a different audience as well. And my old takeaway from this is... Just stick with the 95-calorie Michelob Ultra. It's not anything horrible. It's just very, very watery. There's really not much to hate about this beer. There's just really not much to like. And I personally am someone that I've ordered a few Michelob Ultras out. I think that it's a fine beer. It's a beer that, for me, on my scale of 1 to 10, it gets a 7.5 out of 10. And this is far from, like, an abject disaster or anything like that. You're really buying this beer, though, because you're probably wanting to go organic or something like that because... It's a beer for me that, in my opinion, you just go with the Michelob Ultra. This is 10 calories fewer than the original Michelob Ultra, but it also has less alcohol in there. It's 3.8% alcohol by volume compared to Michelob Ultra, which is 4.2. And this is something I used to do in college. You'd calculate the calories in with regards to the alcohol by volume. And Michelob Ultra, the original one, actually gives you a little bit more buzz for your buck. So that's something to take a look at as well. Like I said, this is a beer that... It's got a lot of the characteristics of Michelob Ultra, just a little bit more muted. Gave Michelob Ultra a 7.5 out of, out of 10. The Michelob Ultra Pure Gold spinoff gets more of a 6.7 out of 10 for myself. So this is one where I say just stick with the original Michelob Ultra. And you'll do just fine there. And we always want to be with regards to our DK Network write-ups, just sticking to basics as well. There's no need to reinvent the wheel. You just have to find something that's going to be able to hit and... I do think that we're going to be able to find that with regards to the defense being able to win games. This is 8, 9, 8, 10 on the betting board. You've got Gonzaga playing us to San Francisco. The Dons of San Francisco opened up as a 10-point underdog. Now we are finding them as a 9-point underdog. Total on this game has one up from the opener of 149.5. We are up to a 151, and my write-up is going to be on the Dons of San Francisco. As I did set them as a 5.5-point underdog, and... Personally, I thought I was being generous to Gonzaga when I set them as a five and a half point favorite. So with the San Francisco team, I think that they've got a good chance of being able to pull this off outright. And it's a San Francisco team that has been a rock saw with regards to their defense. So if you do have a little bit of trepidation with San Francisco, it is that they haven't necessarily played the world's greatest competition. But I mean, they played against Minnesota. They played against Grand Canyon out there in the great state of Arizona. They knocked off Minnesota. They were right there with Grand Canyon throughout. So they've played against some good teams, and they played them quite well. So that's something that is a little bit encouraging in this spot. But for the San Francisco team, 10th in the country in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis. And if you're looking in a road-slash-court environment, 4th. So they are not going to be afraid of the kennel. This is a San Francisco team that time and time again they have had their tails kicked by uh, Gonzaga and I can tell you right now these are guys that they probably want to be able to settle the score and they probably want to be able to get the job done in the kennel before they graduate as it's a Don's team that they do have quite a few upperclassmen and you've got a lot of guys that have transferred in, in the fold you've got some like a Marcus Williams who's able to give you double figures he's able to shoot it well from three-point range and this has been one of the best rebound rate teams 
in all of college basketball as well as we are looking at Gonzaga versus San Francisco right here on the Greg Peterson Experience on Visa, the Sports Bank Network as it's a Don's team that they do lock it down in terms of the posts as they are allowing opponents to rebound just 21.3% of their missed shots. That is 17th in all of college basketball. And with the San Francisco team, what makes it so intriguing that they're such a good rebound rate team, they only have one guy on the roster that gives you north of three and a half rebounds per game. That'd be Jonathan Mogbo. He's a double-double machine. 15 plus points, 10 plus rebounds. Gives you a block, gives you a seal. Very versatile guy, but outside of him, just a hole is greater than some of its parts. Collective, and you got a lot of guys with some good versatility, like our good friend Mongolian Mike. I am not going to try to pronounce the last name, but he's been rock solid with about nine points per contest, shooting in the high 30s from three-point range for a San Francisco team that I talk about their defense, and it is very, very tremendous, but this is a rock-solid offense as well. They're 42nd in all of college basketball, turns points scored on a per-possession basis, going up against the Gonzaga team that we all know and love this offense. It is still one of the better ones that you're going to find out there in all of college basketball. They're 15th with regards to two-point shooting percentage, but this should tell you about the dominance of Gonzaga. If they are unable to crack the top six this year in regards to two-point shooting percentage, it'll be the first time since the 2016-17 season that they've been outside that. And it is a Gonzaga team that's actually quite a bit improved defensively as well. They're now 29th in the country. Terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis, locking it down halfway decent from three-point range. But Andrew Nemart, he's been a little bit of a disappointment this season. I thought that he was going to deliver more after coming in for Crane. Still giving you five assists. He's still giving you double figures. That said has been a case where it just feels like this team has been a little bit rudderless. They're outside the top 200 with regards to three-point shooting percentage. You do have Anton Watson, Graham E.K. both gave you about seven and a half rebounds per game. And these two guys combined to give you north of 29 points per contest and north of a 40% three-point shooting percentage between the two of them. But I do think that this is a San Francisco team that is really out to be able to get one of these games from Gonzaga as it's going to be very instrumental in whether or not they're going to be able to make the NCAA tournament. I think that there is a possibility that they're going to be able to do so. And with the way that Gonzaga has been just really lackluster with regards to their offense thus far this season, in comparison past Gonzaga teams in regards to like points scored, points allowed on a per possession basis or anything like that. But this is just not the same Gonzaga team that we've seen in the past. And the way that the Dons have been so locked down with regards to their defense, I do think that San Francisco is going to be able to hold in there and perhaps be able to win this game outright. So my DK Network right up pick, taking the points with San Francisco despite the line movement of 10-9. to 9. And with regards to total, I think that San Francisco is going to be able to slow it down. I think that they continue to do a tremendous job on defense against the Gonzaga team that just is not the same offense that we've seen in the past. That might total 145.5, looking under. And then my write-up, that is going to be on the Dons of San Francisco taking the points. And when it comes to the College Basketball Thursday card, once again, not really a whole bunch of marquee big-time games or anything like that, but we've got ourselves one ranked team that is going to be in action. That would be 839-840. Arizona, they have to road their facing off against Oregon State. Oregon State opens up as a 17-point underdog. One-way street on this one right now. Arizona is up to being a, between an 18 to a 19-point road favorite. Total game is between 149 and 149.5. It has really been all or nothing for Arizona here recently. Either they just completely land base teams or else they lose outright. There has not been a lot of in-between except for that game against UCLA, which admittedly they probably should have lost that game. That was one where the whistle certainly went their way. UCLA, they crumbled at the end of that game and Mick Cronin picking up technicals. That was far from terrific, but 
I think you've gotten to a point of no return. Like, I made Arizona an 18.5-point favorite. This is an Arizona team that they completely dominate Oregon State. you got Umar Ballo down low. This able to give you 9-plus rebounds per game. Caleb Love is able to throw in their 16-plus points. Pell Larson is shooting 50% from 3 points. Arizona, a top-30 team nationally in terms of points scored and points allowed on a per-possession basis. Have to wonder if this is a little bit of a look-ahead spot, though, as they're going to have Oregon on deck. That is going to be a much bigger game. And just, it's a strange travel spot as well. Having to go to Corvallis. I've lived a year of my life in the great state of Oregon, and it is not an easy place to get to. It's also an Oregon State team that they've got a pretty good home court advantage being out there in Corvallis. They're giving up about 15 points less for one-arm possessions at home rather than in a roadside shoot court environment. You got someone in Jordan Pope who's able to shoot 38% for three-pointers. They're able to give you 18 points per contest. Don't sprinkle on the money line here. Oregon State is not going to win this game. That would be a very nice donation. That said, this is a spot where at a 19 and need at least a 19. I'm going to be willing to take the points with Oregon State and did set my total at 146.5. This is an Oregon State team that is one of the slower teams at all of college basketball. I do think that Arizona's defense goes a little bit understated as well. So looking under and looking at Oregon State at 19 plus and at 4 o'clock a.m. Pacific, 7 o'clock a.m. Eastern, we are looking at Follow the Money with Mitch Moss and Paul Howard here on Visa, the Sports Bank Network. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.